0: thing of sun lotion. So, go to page1books.com, page1 with the number 1. So, page number 1books.com and check out my page1 book summer bundle. Buy it as a gift at housewarming, if you actually go somewhere, or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page1books.com. Welcome to day 2 of the second week of the July book blast. This is the I guess 7th day in all of my 10-day July Book Blast with episodes I recorded throughout the quarantine, some quarantine-related, some not, all of which deserve to see the light of day before the summer comes to an end. Today is Young Reader's Day, so I have a collection of children's books and middle grade and all sorts of stuff that your kids might like, and how interesting to hear from children's book writers which is exciting to me because I actually sold two children's books to Penguin Random House that'll be coming out in the next year or two. So I have a personal affinity for children's book authors. (laughs) Enjoy these episodes. Iva Marie Palmer is the author of the middle grade series Gabby Garcia's Ultimate Playbook and the young adult novels The End of the World as We Know It, Romeo, Juliet, and Jim, The Summers, and Gimme Everything You've Got. She currently lives in Burbank, California with her husband and two sons. Welcome, Iva. Thank you so much for coming on. Moms don't have time to read books. Thanks for having me. And I'm sorry we didn't meet in person. I know we were supposed to be at the same event at some point, but because of the pandemic, we have yet to meet face to oh, face. So eventually, right I think it was at Sarah Melnowski's house, and I was like so excited to go.
1: And as we know,
0: yeah, <laughs> Sarah <laughs> Milnowski is the one who suggested that I start a podcast. So without her oh, really? I would not even have this podcast. Yes. How amazing is she?
1: Like I have been reading her since she did like her red dressing books which I adored. So like I, I when I got invited to an event at her house it was like oh. you
0: know, just, I, <laughs> I uh, love. It. Oh. Yeah. Now my kids had read Upside Down Magic would not even knowing that who she was. Anyway, it's so cool. So yeah. yes. Anyway, your book, now that we've talked about other sort of middle grade books, (laughs) tell me about Give Me Everything you Got. Sure. So Give Me Everything you Got, it's my first young adult in a while. I was doing,
1: I did, I had a middle grade series. And this one is about, I mean, it's set in 1979 in a high school just outside Chicago in in a Chicago suburb, similar to where I grew up. And it's post Title IX and during like the women's, ER, the the era and everything, although the era doesn't get mentioned in the book, but it centers on a girl named Susan Clintock who is just full of <laughs> lust and lusty daydreams and and you know normal teen girl like sexual fantasies, but she has no like outlet for them until Bobby McMahon comes to her school. He's going to be the coach of the first ever girls' soccer team, and she focuses all of that energy on him because she's never seen a boy in real life that like was worth her focus or her I guess her, her her lusty thoughts and so she decides to join try out for the soccer team purely based on this crush which it seems like everyone else who tries out on the for the soccer team is similarly inclined to do and you know she finds out she's good at it and she likes it and there's no there's no like horrific like moment where he's, like, into it or even really realizes, like, what she's doing. So I will do that spoiler. But, you know, she she tries to get his attention in a lot of ways. But but ultimately, the story is about, you know, her kind of finding out that even though she did something for the wrong reasons, like, the result is really empowering and, and amazing for her between the friendships and just figuring out that she's good at something. Because I think a lot of times in YA, I wanted to write a character who was not, didn't have it like kind of like a plan in place. There's often like characters who are very achievement focused and she's, you know, in the seven, in the late 70s, she's kind of like not sure what she's going to do after she graduates and stuff like that or or even like who she is or what she really wants. So that's really what this is about, just figuring out what you really want.
0: Awesome. And I'm sorry at the beginning I said middle grade. I like can't no, even no. I don't this is one area I'm really bad at. I, I am constantly miscategorizing YA in middle grade because I just it's so it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I the, the the delineation seems sort of ambiguous for me sometimes. I don't know what, at what age you can go in. Like I have two kids, so we're going to be seventh graders. Are they supposed to be reading YA? Or are they still middle grade? I don't know. What do you think about yeah, the category? It's very weird because there are like
1: there's middle grade where it's firmly like, this is definitely for like eight to nine, 10, 11 year olds. and And then as you get to like age 12 or so, you have like young YA where it's maybe Kids and, and those are, I guess, harder to find in general. Like if you go to the young adult section, like everything is about older characters. Like in my book, she's seventeen, and my book is definitely a. I think it's categorizes fourteen and up, you know, because of some of the content. But I think it is hard. There, there's like almost like a um, a middle ground between like tween and teen. And it's like you're sort of a teenager, but you're so you don't want to be reading maybe as much like the stuff for littler kids. Like, even though it's great, like you're you're kind of ready for something bigger. But you're you're not quite like at the the YA where it's dealing with kids who are about to graduate high school or, you know, are really like exploring some like near adult topics. And part of why I thought like the book might be good for moms and, and your audience is because it is you know like on the upper you know end of the age group and I did hear from a number of my peers who were like god this is a book i needed when i was like you know
0: in my teens or whatever so hopefully it will touch on it will it will get to those teens too but but when i was like 11 12 all i wanted to read about was teenagers and people graduating yes. from college and uh, i know adults and you know i was like i didn't want hopefully. to necessarily read about people my age No, I think, and I think that's one of the the keys to
1: big readers. They're always probably reading, I feel like a little older than them. Like my son is nine. And since he was about seven, he's been reading about kids in middle school. Like, so I imagine when he's in middle school, he's not going to be as into still reading about kids in middle school, you know? And I think it all depends on where you are on the reading spectrum and like when you started and like how much you read. But you know, and and maybe like, you know, what your interests are. But yeah, I was the same way. I read everything. And by the time I was entering high school or, you know, in junior high, like I was scouring the library for, you know, people who were on their way to college because I just wanted to skip over like everything. Right. Me
0: too. (laughs) Like I was the same way. (laughs) I feel like that's why now I'm reading, I'm starting to read all these books about aging. I don't know. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> now that like, you know, I, now that the pandemic has made me confront how much gray is in my hair, I feel like, okay, well, I am certainly aging in some ways. So now I'm like finding myself reading about like, you know, 80 year olds or like, something like that. I'm like always looking for a guide for what's coming next.
1: I know. Well, totally. I mean, I think, I think I went through, I can't remember the last book I read, but it was similar to that where I was like, that sounds nice. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, look at all this wisdom and this, like, kind of, like, peaceful nature, you know, the the, the peaceful side. Not peaceful. The, the books still have conflict and stuff, but the characters seem more self-possessed in the way they approach them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I guess I look forward to about aging. But, yeah, definitely the
0: gray, <laughs> pandemic gray. I <himself. laughs> can be a new crayon color or something, pandemic gray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how did you get into this? How did you start writing for whoever age people? I won't even call it anything.
1: Sure. No, I mean, I think so. I think I actually, because at the time when I when I really started writing now, like I did not write books or fiction so much. Like in college, I was I was very practical. I was like, you know, I will get a journalism degree because you can get a job in journalism and have a career, which, as we know, like is not the stablest place (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> to reside. And then it wasn't until like, I, you know, I, I took some short story writing classes and stuff in college, but nothing that was like, oh, this is going to be my career. Cause I kind of always talk myself out of it. I, I always tell this story like at school visits, but you know, I thought I loved books so much. And like someone like Judy Bloom, I assumed, okay, she had to be anointed somehow and magical. And like, not everyone can do that. Like you know, I'm from this Chicago suburb, like people from here don't write books. And it was just, I don't know, it was bizarre how it was not even a consideration. But then as I was reporting, I actually like did a story on a screenwriting class that was taking place. And, you know, so then I I really like thought the class sounded cool. And I took the class. And I wrote a screenplay and, you know, I entered some contests and, and won a few prizes. And then I moved out to L.A. thinking, like, eh, you know, I mean, for a variety of reasons, not like off one prize. But, you know, there were a variety of reasons. <laughs> but as I was writing, like working on on scripts and stuff, I, I realized I always really loved books. And like, why was I I mean, I love movies, but why was I writing movies or trying to if, you know, so I didn't have to be out here in other words, but, (laughs) but why was I trying to write movies if I, if I, my books were my home, like where I felt the most at home. So that I did like a national novel writing month. And I think it was when I was working, I was a web editor at Disney and a friend had worked with book packaging company and she knew I wrote and she hooked me up with people there. So I did some ghost writing of young adult, like fiction. The books I had written for Novel Writing Month were totally like chick lit and like they're still like not published and in a drawer and very weird and maybe someday I'll take them out. But I, I think they were just there to like get me started and probably really embarrassing if I read them now. So yeah, I did the ghost writing and then and then I had a YA book come out in 2012 called The End of the World As You, as you Know It, As We Know It, which you know, that's where we are right now. And and I wrote another teen romance. And then I did jump over to middle grade. I had met an editor when I was pitching a different book. And that one didn't work out at the time. It was like, it's a YA that was comedic. And that was when everything was twilight and whatever, but she liked my writing. So she asked me if I would ever be interested in, in creating middle grade. So I did middle grade. And then I found I really wanted to get back into YA and started hashing this idea out just kind of based on I was thinking about that scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High where like Phoebe Cates comes out of the pool and you know Judd Reinhold is watching her and that gaze that (laughs) sexual moment that he has mine's not quite as explicit but but trying to picture the female version of that so like this idea of this coach walking through the cafeteria for the first time and and Susan, who is so underwhelmed by, like, all of the boys she goes to school, was seeing this guy and just literally, like, dropping her Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that was just—it was just so much fun to me, so it started from there. But, but yeah, so YA is where I've been. I've tinkered—I'm tinkering with adult stuff now, too, but, but I'm really excited about this book because I feel like it—so far, like, everyone who's read it has really responded— and and a few people like who are older are like I didn't know you could do that in YA and I'm like no we talk about like you know big things it's just definitely for you know it's for teenagers and and when I did I did recently hear from a teenager who wrote and said like she loved it and and I was so glad because I think the worry with you when you write something set in 1979 is like do any kids like <laughs> in 2020 want to read about the 70s but you know, I think it's sort of, it was, it was really gratifying. So and what, that was a long No, no, year. that's
0: fine. That was great. Why did you say, why did you set it in 1979? Well, because of Title IX. Oh, because of course. I think Sorry, that stupid was, question. That of course.
1: Yeah, no, 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 not at all. I mean, and I also, I do, they call it historical fiction now, but you know, I think what I like about going into the past is get, you're free a little bit from some of the stuff like phones and you know social media and stuff and and you like it was nice to think kind of purely about you know someone who who isn't dealing like like, the story doesn't have to be like as entwined with all of those things which can sometimes make it harder for me to tell a story anyway like I'm a terrible texter and I'm like what if these people don't text like I'll I'll only write historical and I can definitely do texts and books and I have but it was like a very it was really refreshing to do that time period. And and to literally think like, what did this person do when she went home from school? And there's like 12 TV channels and, you know, like, you know, listens to records and I don't know, just waits for her mom to get home or whatever. Like, (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and there were fewer options for, for girls. So I definitely, I wanted to write something with that, like bit of empowerment message going on. Did
0: you play sports growing up? Were you on the soccer team or? I was not. So my school did not have a soccer team. So that was
1: one of the interesting things
0: about telling the story set in
1: a neighborhood like mine, because soccer was sort of like it was we were like football. Like so even the boys on the soccer team. And I, I hope if they're listening, they don't feel that. But it was like soccer was sort of like you play soccer like it's your team. Like we were, it was a very you know, it was like a working more working class like suburb. And we did we had a soccer team and they were really good. But for boys, we did not have one for girls. And some of the schools in other areas did. So I didn't play soccer. I did play. I did swim. I did. I say I'm good at sports without equipment. (laughs) (laughs) And soccer, though, I chose because I wanted a team. And I think for me, like writing sports, what's what's good about me not having played soccer is is the sports scenes don't feel overwhelming to someone who's not a sports person. Like, you know, I I try to not make it feel like a play by play where you the language is like, I don't understand what it's like for me, if I read like a football book, that's like really not that I'd ever probably read one, but, <laughs> but that's really like detailed with like yard lines. And stuff, I'd be like, I don't know what they're talking about. So it's, it's authentic. And I like definitely like watched a lot of the women's world cup and, you know, learned a lot more about soccer, but, but I was just going from purely like, I was leveraging, like, my experiences with competition and being on a team, and that's what I layered into the story here. And just that sense of, like, what being competitive does for you, like, as a person, or getting getting that chance to be competitive, which I thought was a big deal for, you know, a girl who really hadn't had a lot of goals, like, to suddenly, you know, figure out, like, that that she felt good doing this, like, that she wanted something that she actually wanted to win or or be great, you know, was, was fun. And that was kind of me too, because I was not a coordinated as a younger kid. So when I got to high school and suddenly I'm joining sports teams and like actually pretty okay. I was like, it was great. I was like actually kind
0: of a jock. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Did you play sports in high school? In high school, I played tennis and lacrosse. Okay. But I did play in like a little soccer league when I was growing up, starting when I was like six, just in the summers. We used to have these like games after dinner because we spend the summers out on Long Island. And I don't know, it was like the head of the shoe store like coached my team. And I don't know, it was like very very suburban-esque. And yeah, so... But soccer, yeah, I, I really like lacrosse. I was like super into that. But
1: Yeah, and it's a similar like thing with the team you know, I mean I know different moves and, and you know, playing but but being on a team and, and whatever, I think it's just Great. And, and even that the games get a little like rougher or whatever, like just so you learn so much about yourself and what you can do when you play a sport. And I think it's just great for everybody. I'm not telling readers that they must go out and play a sport, but.
0: No, it's great. It's great to be part of a team. It's great to be part yeah. of a team in any way. I mean, sports, I think, are one of the only ways to really be on a team at that age. Right. I mean, now you can do it like through work or you can do it through some sort of community. But I don't know. I mean, anyway, I think sports teams are great. I think it's really neat to to share goals with people and share victories and losses and all that bonding stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But going back to like the crush aspect of this book, and you know, the <laughs> that's so funny that the Phoebe Cates, Judge Reinhold, they're, like blaster in the past actors and actresses. So like, when's the last time you had that feeling? Like, when's it? Is there a time in your life that you like harken back to when you think about like having such a, a mad crush like that? I mean,
1: like, I, you know, I, it, our teacher wise like, I did not have one on a teacher. Like, I'm I'm sorry. it Like, I don't, I didn't have one like that where there was a teacher in my school that I desperately wanted to impress. And that's not like some moral high ground. I just think our teachers, like, we didn't really have anyone, like, exceedingly cute. <laughs> like, there was, like, one I remember, like, everyone thought was, like, super cute. And he was, he was nice and cute. And like, you know, but not a teacher crush. But I do I did have I think like in high school and this is where like Susan's feelings track is where you're thinking about the person just all the time and like kind of irrationally. Yeah, I I had a crush on a guy from a neighboring school and he sort of liked me for like a week. But like that week, like I spread out over like the course of a year. We both worked at the same mall and (laughs) you know, like and every so often he'd drop in my store and, you know, you just you would create like this whole mythology of you know like everything he said had so many more meanings and you know you were definitely going to wind up together even though like he would give no indication of that was, like <laughs> literally bring like his girlfriend into the store or like i remember one time my friend asked for a ride to the concert and said like oh you know john is coming too and i thought oh we're going to the concert together it's going to be the moment we get together and then i picked them up and he had <laughs> I shouldn't say this because I want to save it for a book someday, but he had like brought his girlfriend with and she was holding like balloons because it was their anniversary. So like they got into my little hatchback with like all these balloons. And like I'm driving, <laughs> I'm driving my crush to the concert, like with his girlfriend of like three months and they're celebrating their anniversary. And I'm just like, and I was still like kind of like, oh, he likes me better. Like, I, mean, I think it was still like this delusional, like, where you're just so like, you can't believe that you would have picked someone who isn't into it. So like, you know, I mean, I think like for a while, Susan's cruising on those feelings, like, you know, he's only three years older, like, or whatever. However, I, I think he's five years older in the book, you know, so she's like, maybe not now. But like, you know, there's definitely like anytime he like compliments her, it means something, you know, like, I mean, at one point, he tells her you have amazing potential, like, And she takes that like to mean he's going to ask me to marry him as soon as (laughs) school is over. You know, it's so, yeah, I've been there. I mean, I think everyone gets there. I mean, some people actually end up dating their crushes. But but that whole like obsession where you're like weaving stories and maybe that's part of being a writer. You know, you can weave this story about anyone and you know, so maybe writer crushes are actually worse. If you have like any imaginative talent, and, like <laughs> you can really like waste a lot of time, like just puzzling over every little move they make. But I think everyone does it. But yeah, that was my big one was, was, was that guy. So funny. And, you know, I think, I don't know. I think I finally got a boyfriend and like got over it. But I think even for a while after I got a boyfriend, like, and we would be in the same place, I'd be like, Oh, he's so jealous, and he wasn't paying like any attention to me. at all. Like it was just like he's ignoring me because he's jealous. I have a boyfriend now. So funny.
0: Yeah, so, how <laughs> kind of you sound delusional. No, no, show. I love it. It's it's really funny. It's just also yeah. so nice. To, like I don't know, everything feels very heavy. Everything's very heavy yeah. right now in the world. So to like yeah. ha- have a minute at- to laugh about our old crushes is like that's. You have know, one. Oh, gosh, I had so many crushes. My first crush was in seventh grade, and I was so, I think, obvious about it because I was so shy then, and I would just, like, stare at him at dances and things like this, and I don't know what if someone dared him or one of my friends who was more outgoing, like, begged him to ask me to dance, but he asked me to dance at this one dance, and I have in my, like, diary at the time, like, I slow danced with, you know, this guy Chris, and it was, like, the most amazing thing of my time. (laughs) Like. <laughs> anyway of course nothing he like you know every after that like maybe a smile or two the rest of my life but anyway i should really no, i should I'm really just, look him crazy. up at this point anyway so you obviously have kids i can kind of hear them in the background sometimes which is totally <laughs> fine and totally fine <laughs> yeah, yeah. no it's, Door, no very- i can just hear the like happy hum of kids when do you find the time to write like when do you do your writing and do you do it at home or do you leave i mostly do it at home i've, I've tried leaving
1: i mean i have one who is in transitional kindergarten so he gets home earlier and the other ones in was in fourth grade this year and obviously this year like everything went like a little haywire and I I've been writing but it's not to the same extent I used to get up before work and like write with my first books and since I've had kids I haven't been able to maintain that I did have a full-time job up until about 2014 and I still freelance so my day I usually try to write when they're at school now that they're not at school like it's i tell myself and i tell other people this too like if they say they want to write and they just can't find the time like i sometimes have to do things in fits and starts like i would love like a perfectly calm routine where it's like this is my writing time and i do get that sometimes and and especially if i'm like in the heat of a project i have to do that but like when i'm just starting something or whatever and and it's just me with if it's just me with the kids like it's much better obviously if they're at school or in an activity and I'm starting a new project now. So we're going to see how this works, but fits and starts is kind of how I I do it. I'll sit down and I'll like work a little bit. And if it's a hundred words there, like, you know, I have to come back to it. And the thing that stinks is it's always like lingering in your brain and, and you haven't like hit that target that you want, but it does, you do chip away at the work and then, and then you have something on the page, even if like you have to do a lot of revision, but definitely when I, when I'm, deep into like either, you know, I have to finish this draft or I have to get this revision done. That is when, you know, like, like my dad helps with our kids a little or, and my husband is home now. So like we take turns a little bit, like I need two solid hours to do just some like uninterrupted work, you know, or, or, you know, or I use like, I leverage like any time they have like to watch a movie or, you know, do their screen time kind of stuff. Like that's when I'm I have to ignore sort of that I want to deal with the mess in the house. Like, I can't look at that stuff. I just have to sit down and like force some words out. So certainly I write at home It, it for the time being. I do think after the pandemic, like, I'm like, maybe I'm going to finally be like a writer who goes to coffee shops because, <laughs> because, you know, after being at home for a while, like it sounds really desirable to mix it up. <laughs> but but yeah, I I wish I could... Pledge to a certain routine, but my thing is mostly like that. I just try to look at whatever I'm working on every day for as much time as I can. I try to get like, you know, a solid at least hour in there. And I do like I do have a really supportive husband who like, you know, before the pandemic, like on weekends, he would take the kids, you know, on a field trip. So I could have a solid day or whatever, or just he'd deal with all their like activities and stuff so I could stay home and work with this going on like it's sort of different it's just like I'll be in the other room with them while you do that. I know it's so, so crazy. So yeah. I mean but but it's sort of a process of like whatever I can do, you know, and it's always frenzied and you know, always anxious and it's not perfect at all but you know, such is life. <laughs> it is what it is and getting written so like I'm just going with it for now. And maybe when they're older, like I'll have something more clear cut and that would be great. And what
0: is your parting advice to aspiring authors? What advice would you give?
1: I mean, gosh, I, I mean, that was one of the pieces like the don't wait for that perfect moment. I mean, I, and I think I'll go, I think I will go with that because we are in such like an imperfect moment with, you know, the pandemic and the economic crisis and, 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 you know, not knowing what's the the protests, which are great. I support, but we, we all are kind of like, what is happening? Like what's going to go on and where are we headed? And, and, you know, what might come down the road next? <laughs> so I think, you know, even though it can be really hard to write, if you have that idea that you're just dying to get out, I'd say to sit down and, and just try it. Like I, I always tell, I tell, this is what I actually told kids in school presentations, but like, Write down like one line a day if you have to until you have something going or like tell yourself I'm going to do this for 15 minutes. And then maybe like if it's flowing, you'll find out that 15 minutes turns out turns into like a half hour, turns into an hour or whatever. But I think it's just about not waiting for like that perfect, you know, I'm going to go to a beach house and (laughs) have, have like a view of the ocean and, you know, no interruptions and... I'm going to feel perfect before I sit down and set pen to paper. I think, you know, starting is so important and, you know, I get stuck in middles. So like, I don't have great advice for the middle, but, you know, starting is so important. And from there, you know, you can, as you go, you can get more advice or like figure things out. And I also think, sorry, outlines are really helpful if, if you feel like you do get stuck. And I, as someone who gets stuck sometimes or has like a bunch of things that I've started and stopped, you know, to pause and say like, well, what is my outline? And, and you know, I, I know it sort of de-romanticizes the writing life that you're just going to sit down and it's going to flow and be beautiful. But, but having like a map, even if you don't follow it perfectly, is like, for me, it's really helpful. So That's I would recommend. Not and I'm sorry I, I'm I'm a rambler I hope no, I didn't
0: no 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 thank you I so much. much no this was, was great funny. it was totally great thank you so much for coming on my show yes, and talking you about too. your book and making the time work and all that stuff so thank you oh no thank you for making the time work I'm so sorry no that- it was great it was totally great <laughs> okay. all right okay, bye thank you so much okay all bye right. thanks thanks so much for listening to Young Readers Tuesday part of my July book blast I hope you've enjoyed it Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.